Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film on the Tracking Board and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm joined by... I am Anya Crittenden, associate editor at the Tracking Board. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today, guys, it's the start of the summer movie season, so we thought we'd give you a summer movie preview episode. Uh, that's kind of the gist of the episode. So why don't we... Yeah, there's not much more to it. Yeah, there's really nothing more to it. Uh, So why don't we break it down by um, listing our top three movies we're most anticipated. Um, And because Guardians of the Galaxy is is already out of the way, we can't talk about it because it's... we're going to be reviewing it instead of previewing it yes look look forward to our review in a couple weeks i can't believe we just committed to that now i like can't (laughs) get out of it yep no you can't there's no other good movie in may and we'll talk about who says we have to review a good movie also who says guardians is good exactly which is why we need your expertise on exactly that's why we're going to review it okay make me see it Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Anya, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about your top three movies that you're most in- anticipated? I was not expecting to go first. All right. So, my top three. Uh, the first one is going to be The Big Sick, which is the romantic comedy uh, starring Kumail Nanjiani, and it was co written by him and his wife, Emily V. Gordon. So the movie is basically their life story, um, how they met and what they went through as a couple and getting to know each other and everything that happened to them. Um, and I'm really excited for it because I love romantic comedies and I love Kumail. And what I especially love is that he loves romantic comedies. Like he's been on uh, NPR's politics or pop culture podcast and has talked about how much he loves romantic comedies. And so... I just really am excited for that because I want good rom-coms to make a comeback. And I'm very excited by the trailer and everything about this film. It's also going to be our first rom-com starring an Asian-American man. Yes. So, he is he is Pakistani, I think? Yes. Yes. So, yeah, and that is uh, Southeast Asia, which is very exciting. So even more exciting... And uh, his girlfriend on the screen is played by Zoe Kassan, uh, indie darling. Um, also dating Paul Dano. Paul Dano. I've never yeah. seen her in Despite a movie. Despite the terrible movie they <laughs> made together. Yeah. I've never seen her in a movie, Ugh. so this will be my first time experiencing her on the screen. Um, but I'm sure she'll be delightful. It's gotten a lot of good reviews out of festivals and things, so... Yes. I'm really and excited for it. Ray Romano is playing Zoe Kazan's dad. Oh, yeah. Ray Romano was a big um, out of left field for me. I was like, oh, hey, he's still doing uh, movies. But that's the thing is, I don't, think he, I don't think he's really done anything in a, in, a, in a while. I think he's been voicing Manny the Mammoth in the Ice Age movies, but that's <laughs> kind of been it. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So. <laughs> he doesn't really need to do much. Those are pretty big, like, good paychecks, you know? Don't have to do any oh, yeah. work. Show up in your pajamas at the studio. And those movies have been, like, making money since, like, 2002. It's crazy. Mm, the mm-hmm. most recent one didn't make a lot of money. Well, I mean, they're still making them. I don't know for how much longer, but... Well, at, at some point, the Ice Ages are over. I feel like this, this the <laughs> recent one was probably the last. Sure. I haven't seen probably. any of them since the first one. I mean, neither. I think... 
think I saw the second one. I just read about... Yeah, the first one was good. I just read about box office at work, so, like, I'm very up-to-date on how movies do at the box office, and Ice Age Collision Course did not do very well. Mm, that makes sense. So, The Big Sick what, was my first one. What's your second my, movie? My second one comes out the same day as The Big Sick. Oh, man. Funny enough, and it could not be more different. So, my second movie Whoa. is The Beguiled, which is Sofia Coppola's new film. And I am excited for this for so many reasons. Uh, one being the fact that I love Sofia Coppola and everything she does and everything she touches and everything she is. Um, if you guys remember, we put up our top 10 movies or top 15 movies recently. And Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette is on my top 15. Lost in Translation is on my top 15. There you go. I am... Out of the complimentary Lost in Translation and her duo, I'm a bigger fan of her, personally. But they're very interesting films together. She always makes good, really fascinating films about women. Yeah. Um, Actually, I really like The Virgin Suicides. It's one of my favorite underrated films. Um, uh, It's, yeah. And um, she's getting she's reuniting again with Kirsten Dunst for this film. Yeah, too. so The Beguiled is a remake um, of a 1970s film, I believe, starring Clint Eastwood. I've never seen the original um, and have no real interest to, to be honest. Um, the trailer for the is original is wacko. Very absurd. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but so it's set during the Civil War, uh, the American Civil War, and Colin Farrell plays a wounded Union soldier who is found by the southern women who live at this house that Nicole Kidman runs. Um, It's sort of like a boarding school home type place for all these women and young young girls. Um, Kirsten Dunst is also one of the women at the house, and so is Elle Fanning. And it basically turns into they take Colin Farrell in, and they, like, nurse him back to health. And then sex and jealousy and violence and all these ugly feelings come to the surface and it's sort of like a um civil war oh my god hold on what is that it's like no what is that Stephen? it's kathy bates misery oh um um, misery yes misery it is sort of like a civil civil war style misery in kind of what colin farrell goes through at least from the trailer so i'm really excited you know what it it all you know what it's also like a dramatic uh, interpretation of that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh my god! <laughs> in which, um, which like that one chaste care um, night of the Round Table ends up at a convent of like really horny nuns. Who, Lancelot. Uh, yeah, Lan- was yeah. it Lancelot? Because okay, yeah. in Spamalot, it yeah. turns out he's gay. Right. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, when I saw the trailer for The Beguiled, I was like, or the original Beguiled anyways, I was just like, this is basically that scene in Monty Python's Holy Grail. Yeah, I was like, this is basically misery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm super excited because it has a great cast. Um, I'm really excited to see Colin Farrell just doing more these days and more interesting roles. And again, I would pretty much see anything that Sofia Coppola does because I think she is flawless. So that's my second one. And my third, I just need to say this real quick. I was really excited for the summer movie preview because I was going to talk all about Kingsman. And then I looked and it comes out in September, not August, 
which is a summer movie cutoff. Right. And it specifically comes out on Fall Equinox. So, like, it is a fall movie. I can't fight it, guys. I can't break I'm my sorry, rule. Sorry, Anya. You can have it as your number one for the fall movie preview. <laughs> so my third movie is Atomic Blonde, which is the upcoming action movie starring Charlize Theron. And I'm really excited for this one because it just looks like a really fun, kick-ass time with a female lead and this, like, awesome 80s aesthetic. And what more could you want, really? Well, uh, what more could you want? James McAvoy. I was and who say. happens to be in this film? James McAvoy. Your My boy, is it? My number one forever and ever. Not Dan Stevens. Oh, what, would Dan, what would Dan Stevens say about that? Dan Stevens you know crying in a corner somewhere. Everyone's going to have to just get the fact that James McAvoy will forever be the number one. And I'm really excited to see him in this movie. It's been a while since he's done... You know, I heard he was really good in Split. I still want to see it. Um, but I feel like it's been a while since he's done a really interesting, perhaps smaller film. Well, Split was small. Atomic Blonde looks better, is basically what I'm trying to say. He did He did Filth. Um, he did Filth, which, like, no American has seen. Yeah, it's on Netflix, though. It is on Netflix. A lot of it's smaller. Did you end up watching... Did you end up watching Young Frankenstein? I, Young Frankenstein? Do you mean, you mean Victor Frankenstein? Frankenstein? Oh, Victor Frankenstein. I absolutely I'm sorry. It was basically Young Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein, <laughs> and it was awful. Absolutely terrible. But do you know who was great in it? James McAvoy. Because you <laughs> know who was great uh, in everything? James McAvoy. What about the rad Dan Radcliffe? He was fine. He was fine. He, he is, his plot line was a little shoehorned. Um... James McAvoy had a lot more room to be charming and, like, magnetic in the film. Um, and Dan Radcliffe had this kind of, like, awkward love storyline. So he was not as uh, engaging to watch as James McAvoy in the film. But, like, regardless, the film is trash. So, you know, you do what you can. But I'm Atomic sorry, Blonde, it has my favorite actor of all time in it, and it's a kick-ass female-led film. So... And the you action know. looks pretty incredible. It's uh, the I think directed by one of the John Wick directors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's from the um, it's one of the stunt like one of the stunt choreographers I think of John right. Wick, um, and uh, yeah, it's they're really pushing the fight scene in the movie marketing. So which is great. I'm really and to get a double mm-hmm. Kingsman reference in here, it also co-stars Sofia Batella, who. Uh, played Gazelle in the first Kingsman movie. This is her year. She's going to be in The Mummy, yeah, too. And she was mummy. in Star Trek last year. Oh, yeah, she, she was. She was Yeah, stealing scenes. I'm excited that she's, you know, having a good career because she was really a standout in Kingsman. She was. I'm really excited for her. So, those are Although, my three. I don't think The Mummy's going to be very good, but... <laughs> Yeah. Wait, Atomic Blonde? Probably not. No, The Mummy. Oh, no, The, the mummy. mummy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you had the same reaction as us on you. I was like, Atomic Blonde has been getting good reviews out of South by Southwest. Like, I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. It debuted at, was it only South by? I think it was at Sundance. Too? I heard, or was I it can't some other everything, festival, I everything that was coming out of South by seemed like it was the first time anybody's seen the movie. Okay, I think it was... Yeah, you're right. It might have just been South By. But yeah. 
rave reviews at South by, which is really exciting. All right, so. I'll go next. (laughs) I didn't want to. (laughs) We were going to play chicken to see who who goes next. (laughs) All right. So my number one uh, most anticipated movie for the summer is Baby Driver. It's the new film by Edgar Wright. I'm actually surprised you didn't include this in your top three, Anya, because you were really more. I felt like you were more excited for it when the trailer first came out. Oh, yeah. So I didn't want to include movies that I've seen already. Otherwise, she's not previewing it. She's I'm not, like, it. anticipating them, because I already know Baby Driver's <laughs> awesome. Jealous. Super jealous, jealous, by the way. Anyways, I'm excited. Um, I'm. This is Edgar Wright's first film since uh, World's End, I think. He hasn't really been working on anything since. He was supposed to be slated for Ant-Man, but this was his pet project that he returned to. He's been working on it for several years now. And uh, it stars Ansel Elgort as the titular baby who is a driver <laughs> and um what's he do he he's a baby had, and he drives he bas- <laughs> he's pretty much yeah, his name is baby the boss baby and driver. Um, he basically Ooh, had uh, an accident as a child in which he always has this perpetual ringing in his ears that is really painful for him so he always has to listen to music uh in order to concentrate and basically the entire movie is set to like the soundtracks that he drives to and it like helps him with his driving and the rhythm of everything um and apparently there are some weird comparisons to it being like edgar wright's la la land because it's so musically and soundtrack driven but um i don't think that'll be the That's case a weird honestly that is the uh, first time and... i'm hearing that that is a very well, weird comparison. I don't know if it was La La Land. Not... I think that people were saying, like, it's like a musical. And I think La La Land came, popped up in there because it had recently, like, been having a lot of conversation around it. And people were like, is this, like, the next La La Land in terms of... Not at all. <laughs> the movie if, circuit. If anything, it's a prequel yeah. for another Ryan Gosling movie, Drive. Drive. Because, like, there's a moment where he goes, what do you do? And he goes, I drive. And that's, like, clear, that's, like, a that's dialogue taken directly from Drive. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it looks dynamic. It looks fun and zippy in the way that Edgar Wright movies always usually do. And uh, I can't wait. And it also has a really interesting supporting cast. I think Jamie Foxx is in there. Uh, John Hamm. Kevin The Hamster. Um, the Hamster. Is that your name yes. for him? Kevin Spacey. Who else Kevin is Spacey's in it? Kevin Spacey. And my girl Lily James. But yeah. Oh yeah, Lily. Lily James with a with a southern accent this time around. But yeah, I'm quite excited for it. I think, you know, despite my qualms about Ansel Ansel. Say that five times fast. I I have a question. What are <laughs> qualms with him if he's only been in the Fault in Our Stars? Like what is there to have a qualm? He was about? also in the Divergent movies. He wasn't Quam good in the Divergent isn't movies. Isn't so much like his acting ability because then. he hasn't he well, yeah. hasn't showcased himself a lot. It's just that he is kind of a forgive the cursing, kind of a fuckboy. Um, and this is just what I've gleaned from several interviews from him. But like you know, he he's really being in. He's really into being like a D, EDM DJ and like it, the way that he comes off is somewhat similar to Miles Teller in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, he's got a very punchable like, face. Mm, you know yeah, what? That they got to know each other in the Divergent color. movies, and that's what's happened. Oh yeah, that's true. Maybe that's the case. Maybe he, he, Mouse Teller sh- told him his um, highball glass joke. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, 
I trust Edgar Wright. I'm excited for this film, and it looks awesome from the And trailer. what I've heard is that um, all the action, at least the, the car scenes, are all um, stunts, and there are no computer effects. That is accurate. Mm. Edgar Wright talked about that at South By. Yay! Of course you know that, Miss South By expert. I'm the only one here who hasn't gone to South by Southwest. You gotta mm-hmm. complete the trifecta. I do. Yeah, you do. You should go next year. 2018. Alright. My second one is Wonder Woman. I know you have... You personally have qualms with this, Anya, because the DCEU oh. movies have... Yeah, yeah. There's basically the DCEU movies in general. But I have hope for Wonder Woman. I've heard one bit of early buzz from one Twitter um, film critic... And I, it, it was positive. It seems that like that Wonder Woman is getting good early buzz. I'm really hoping that this movie will redeem, or at least you know, set the DC EU on the right path. And that's the DC Cinematic Universe um, that was started by Man of Steel, continued in Batman uh, versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad, and will be continued in Justice League after Wonder Woman. But a lot of stakes riding on Wonder Woman, including my own personal um, stakes in the DCEU. This is its last chance, really, for it to redeem itself. And um, I'm just, I can't, I can't help but be excited. It's the first female um, solo superhero movie in the modern age. Um, Catwoman not included. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really important film. It's the first time we're going to be seeing Wonder Woman on... Um, the silver screen at all. Uh, she's been on she television uh, with the Linda. Well, yes, in her own <laughs> solo film. Sorry, she was introduced in Batman v Superman. She was introduced in Batman v Superman. She stole the show in that, and her theme song definitely was the best part of that movie as well, which they're bringing back for uh, Wonder Woman and will be the last um, composition, composition, last composition essentially that Hans Zimmer will be contributing to. Warner Bros. because he's retiring from superhero films. I will say I'm um, with you. I'm excited for Wonder Woman and I have hope for it. Um, I am not letting its success, hopeful success, uh, determine the DCEU for me because I kind of want it to be individually mm-hmm. successful and I don't care about the rest. Well, I sort of care about Aquaman, um, if only because diverse cast and Amber Heard. Um, but I'm excited for Wonder Woman and I hope it does really well. Also, not to make it about the white boy in a female-led film, but I'm really excited for Chris Pine because, here's some fine words, Chris Pine is the best Chris. Ooh, them's fighting words. No, those are... More than the Hemsworth? Not just fighting words, complex. Because Chris Pine (laughs) and Chris Evans, I think, are my top two Chris's. Minor, Chris Pine, followed closely by Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, like, duking it out, and then Chris Pratt's at the bottom. Chris Pratt definitely got now, the bottom Now, if, t- if you had told me to rank them in 2013, I would have put Chris Pratt much higher on the list. Because of Parks and Rec? Because of Parks and Rec. Because since he's become leading man number one, he's just not who he was. He's lost all his charm. And... You know, the Andy Dwyer-ness of it yeah, all. Yeah, it's because he, he, he got skinny. He should never have gotten fit. He should always be fat Pratt. And it's funny because Chris Pine had exactly. a whole joke about this on SNL this weekend when he hosted, which he was great at, by the way. And I just think Chris Pine oh, is the most dynamic 
of all of Chris's. And I like watching him on screen the most. I mean, he definitely does a turn in Hell or High Water. It's mo- he was excellent, excellent in that, that's true. Um, I mean, there's no denying that he's a great actor, a great singer. I think for now, I'm Team Hemsworth just because he has such a knack for comedy that I can't help but, you know, let him inch forward a little bit. Have you watched but I understand your pine. SNL hosting? You can I check it out. I think he might raise a little bit just because he is really funny in SNL. Alright, Anya, let me finish my pun. I understand you're pining for pine. <sighs> <laughs> Alright, you can hate me. I'm sorry. Alright, what's your third film, HD? Alright, um, my third film will be a repeat. Atomic Blonde. I am excited for it, and um, Anya kind of said it all, but I am really looking forward to the Charlize the Renaissance. Um, I think this will be her John Wick, uh, similar to how Keanu Reeves got his uh, career renaissance with John Wick. Um, And like we said, the John Wick people are behind Atomic Blonde, and we see a lot of that flair in a lot of fight scenes and the trailers that have been shown. And it just looks so stylish and sleek and fun. Um, I can't wait, and I love all the positive buzz that it's been getting at South By and everywhere else. So, and yes, a lot of good female-led action films this year, and I'm really excited for that. Awesome. All right, that's my top three. Willoughby, you go. All right, so my number one pick uh, is War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, I've talked about my love for the Apes series on this podcast in previous episodes, so I won't go too much into detail why I love the show, those, uh, not TV shows, those movies. Um, but War for the Planet of the Apes just looks so melodramatic and visually stunning and just like the, like, it honestly looks like it doesn't look like a cartoon you know that and these character these apes characters are just so fantastically rendered and well acted that you forget that they're like computer generated creatures and not actual like uh, you know genetically modified apes and you know dawn of the planet of the apes was a great movie and this looks like a great follow-up so i'm very excited for this Andy Serkis is back as Caesar, um, the ruler of the apes, and Woody Harrelson is playing this general who is like gathered the rest of the United States armed forces, and basically War for the Planet of the Apes is going to be like the final showdown for literally the planet. Um, and I'm not sure where the series can go after this because it's either going to be more movies within the same time frame as Caesar's character or they're just going to do like a straight up remake of the original 1968 movie. Are there um, is there for sure going to be another film? Well, if this movie does well, I think so. Cuz that's the thing about the Apes movies is that there's always another one. Ah, capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yes, although Planet of the Apes the Tim Burton film was so terrible that they just completely didn't do any new movies after that and then they waited 10 years to do the reboot um so yeah war for the planet of the apes is my favorite one are any of you guys excited for it 
actually excited for it. Um, I didn't include it in my top three, but it's up in my top ten at least. It looks really gorgeous, and the Planet of the Apes uh, reboot prequel series has um, been really compelling and really um, intriguing for me Like throughout the past. How long has the series been going? At least like five um, years. The first one, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, came out in 2011 in the summer. Wow. Six I have now. never seen a Planet of the Apes movie in my life. Oh, they're so good. They're At least surprisingly the first one, good, the Anya. One is. That's what I've heard. And not just on a blockbuster sense, but like in a storytelling sense, they're they're very evocative. So I've heard. That's it. Yes. <laughs> so okay, so I'll move on to my second one. Um, my second one is Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan's World War Two epic. Um, Christopher Nolan has had an interesting career. He almost exclusively works in big theatrical, epic, like, grand-scale movies now. Uh, He really hasn't done, like, a small film since... Not since his first one. Not since The Prestige. I mean, The Prestige was pretty small. The Prestige is probably his last small film. Like, you could... I mean, it's Mm. kind of... It's a... It's it's definitely a, a bigger story... But the characters, are, it's like a very personal story. Whereas the oh, Batman movies, Inception, Interstellar, um, like they're much more like dramatic and like you're supposed to see them in IMAX and see them in 70 millimeter and like the best sound system. Like he's really gone for the technical part of the filmmaking. Um, and I love that. You know, I'm a big fan of the technical side of filmmaking. And so, you know, we get World War Two movies all the time, and the reason I'm looking forward to this one more so than any of the other, like recent World War Two movies, is that it's, you know, it looks just so visually stunning, and everything looks very practical. You know, uh, the the fight the fighter pilot scenes look really good. Um, you know, I'm excited to see it in IMAX. Like that's the thing is like his movies always look so visually compelling that I always I keep coming back even though even though Interstellar's story was not the greatest and Inception had its flaws um and that and you can you know point out plot holes in The Dark Knight Rises as big as the hole that he climbs out of in that movie um (laughs) like how the hell did he get back into Gotham that doesn't make sense but I'm still like how he torched his insignia on the yeah, ice. Yeah, I'm still I'm still in it for Christopher Nolan, and I'm I'm excited for Dunkirk. This is also like his like 85th movie with a one word title, <laughs> so it's funny how he oh, he uh, always tries to do it like that. Um, so yeah, Dunkirk. It's the battle. Is- so it's also a battle that we've um, rarely seen too, because. Uh, a lot of World War II epics tend to focus on the American experience, mm-hmm. and this was a battle that was very uniquely British, and is taught <clears throat> in a lot of British schools, I think, but a lot of American audiences don't know that it exists. Yeah, it's, it's like so. our Normandy. I need to give a shout mm-hmm. out real quick to Joe Wright, because he also has a World War II coming, film coming out this year that's uniquely British, Darkest Hour, but more importantly, he did this beautiful 10-minute tracking shot of Dunkirk in atonement and it is stunning Mm. and it was the first time i ever knew i ever found out about dunkirk and like read up on it and realized what it was and so i'm very curious about the christopher nolan joe wright 
duking it out over English World War Two films this year. Oh, and I should point out who's in the movie. I didn't even talk about that. We've got um, Kenneth Branagh as, like, the head of the army or navy in Dunkirk. Uh, James Darcy, who, if you've seen him more most recently in Agent Carter as Edwin Jarvis, he is in this movie. You've got um, future Justin Timberlake, Harry Styles. Um, you've got uh, Killian Murphy, who we just recently saw in Free Fire. Um, oh, what's his name? Tom Hardy. Tom Hart. Well, t- we've got Tom Hardy as a fighter Mark pilot. Mark Rylance. He's he's Mark Rylance is what who I was thinking of, um, and that's all I can think of for names. Is Michael Caine in the movie? I feel like Michael Caine's in the movie. No, no he's no? not. He's. I didn't see him in the trailer at least. Uh, that's a bummer. Um, so did you get Killian Murphy? I did. I said Killian Murphy. Um, okay. I think that's it for like big names on the list. Yeah, I think so. It's an impressive um, cast. It's like half of... It is. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if Christopher Nolan can tell... I mean, not can tell, but like he hasn't told a non-science fiction fantasy story since probably The Prestige. Even then, that gets a little... That had a bit of a science fiction yeah, twist, though. Yeah, so like I, like... I mean, his movies have always had like, you know, a higher reality to them, but like the Batman and the Batman movies Inception and Interstellar have all been like very out there. So I'm interested in, I'm interested to see how he tells like a regular human story. That, and that's um, my issue is I, I need, I, I'm very hesitant with this film because it might not be a very human story, despite the fact that it is inherently about humans. That's because Christopher Nolan doesn't tell stories about humans. He's not good at the emotional. Um, he tells stories payoff. about concepts and ideas. It's true. Mm-hmm. And I just hope this isn't a two-hour action sequence in an entirely gray and blue palette. It might. I feel like it could be either case because from the interviews and um, marketing that I've seen for this film, they're really emphasizing the experience of it and it being like really brutal and hard to watch and like this big you know very gritty film and they haven't really emphasized any character or story so much as just like it's very visceral Did we learn nothing yeah. from Shakespeare in Love beating Save It Private Ryan at the Oscars people? Did we learn nothing? Saving Private Ryan is still a good film Anya. It is still a good film just because it is visceral and gritty doesn't mean it is lesser or or better than Shakespeare in Love. It's not better than Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> they are very different beasts. They're they different are very films. different. Very different films. They're both I guess I want to see it be about the people, and I think that's my big thing, is if it's about the people at the heart of Dunkirk, and Dunkirk is, like, the backdrop, I'll be happy. I think, I mean, to sell the movie, I think they're going with visuals, but my hope is that there is a story underneath. So All right. Um, so that was my second film. And my third film that I'm excited for is one that we've already talked about, which is Wonder Woman. I am very Yay. excited for the movie. Um, like HT, it is the last chance for the DCEU to do something, you know, good. Um, and... 
again, female-led superhero. We haven't had that in the modern age. If you know, in the in like a successful movie, um, and you know, it looks it looks fun. It looks good. It's World War One, which we really don't get movies set in. Um, Chris Pine is gonna be cool as like the Peggy Carter of this film, um, and. I'm interested to see, you know, it looks like, you know, we're going to spend some time on Themyscira as she grows up and becomes, uh, like, Wonder Woman. And, it, it's you know, it look, it's interesting to see that she's going to be like, she sees the dangers of, of humankind and is like, I got to stop this. Um, and so uh, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot is, um, she can do no wrong, in my eyes. She was the one of the best parts of the Fast and Furious movies, um, and she was after Han. And, yeah, uh, they should have had a spinoff where the two of them go off to Tokyo and just live out the rest of their days, um, drifting around. Um, I'm still bitter. And then uh, she was in Keeping Up with the Joneses, which is a fun little comedy with John Hamm. Um, and Zach Galifianakis and Isla Fisher. It's not great, but it's like it's passable. You know, it's like a fun little like Saturday night rent, renting movie. Um, so I'm very excited to see Wonder Woman. That's my third movie. Awesome. So those are our recommendations and movies we're excited for this summer. There are plenty more coming out this summer that I'm sure we're all looking forward to, but those are the ones that have jumped out at us the most. So, what are your thoughts on just the summer movie season in general, kind of just as it exists currently in Hollywood and what it the fair usually is? And do you guys really like summer movie season? Do you look forward to it? Oh yeah, all the time. I look forward to the summer movies that aren't unnecessary sequels and terrible reboots and stuff. Like, you know, I'm always in it for a Marvel movie, and I'm always in it for like the cool action movie that will, you know, innovate like Mad Max Fury Road two years ago or Atomic Blonde now, you know? So like both starring Charlize Theron. So like, she's got this great action movie renaissance going on, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean like, I'm not going to go see like a Ninja Turtles movie. It's also like more for kids, but it's also Michael Bay produced. So it's like, you know, the, there's like the ugly side of these of all the summer movies which is like the Transformers and like the bloat that come with those movies so mm-hmm. yeah I have mixed thoughts um, because as much as I personally enjoy a lot of blockbuster and action films like the Marvel films or uh, like Bad Max Fury Road like Willoughby was saying I do um, acknowledge that the blockbuster summer movie season is a lot of the reason that we're getting this like polarization in the movie industry. Um, we can't blame it entirely on Marvel because like the blockbuster has been ongoing since basically Star Wars started it in the 70s and then Independence Day started the summer movie season um, back in the 90s and now it's become just like all like conflated in like this one area and one time period in the year and yeah I don't know it's like it's interesting because 
I really enjoy these films and I know like I'm the audience that they're catering to but at the same time like we've talked about this before I do miss like the mid-budget films and I feel like they really suffer during the, the summer movie season just because they get overshadowed by a lot of action films and a lot of sequels and franchise films and it really like hits home when you see a director like David Lynch for example who recently announced that he's quitting filmmaking because the movie industry has just become too hard for mid-budget movie directors like him who just want to do what they want creatively. Um, so, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. So I enjoy it when it comes around, but then it's like, uh, it's like I regret it a little bit afterwards. Like, you know, when you have a really good um, food that's bad for you, like junk food, and you're just like, that was really great, but now I feel bad and I know it was bad for me and the industry as a whole. I'm kind of with you on that one. I also have mixed feelings. And for similar reasons, I also think that for me, I also just, like, have a tendency to prefer smaller films. Blockbuster and big action films Mm -hmm. are fun, but they're not my favorite by any means. Um, I mean, there's a reason that two out of my three of my films was a romantic comedy and a period piece. Which, I'm really glad that there are smaller films this summer that are getting attention, whether or not they get the box office attention remains to be seen, but at least, like, critically, there are a lot of eyes on these smaller films, which I think is great. I also think the summer movie season is sorely lacking in big comedies. I'm glad we're getting a couple this summer, like Rough Night and... How oh, is that? Rough Night's the one with ScarJo, right? And then yep. what's the one with Jada Pinkett yeah. Smith and... Girls trip. Girls trip. So I'm really excited that we're getting these kind of like broad comedies this summer and especially the fact that they're all female led. But I think it's just a shame that summer has been so overtaken by blockbusters, like action blockbusters that were kind of losing other kind of middle brow films. Like comedies are just mm-hmm. as kind of broad and ripe for summer, but I feel like they're not happening as much in summer anymore, and I think that's a shame. I think comedies should make a comeback in summer. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely in the 2000s, comedies were big in the summer. Like, every mm-hmm. every Will Ferrell movie that came out always made it big during the summer, like Anchorman or um, Blades of Glory or um, uh, Ricky Bobby. Um, like, so, but now we really haven't had big comedies in the summer which is weird mm-hmm. and we really don't have a lot of big comedies and even the ones we or do they have do, they don't do very well yeah like zoolander 2 well, like, wasn't good people were expecting spy was great and that agreed. was underrated That's true. no one saw it agreed when did 21 jump street come out like what time of year oh good question i want to s- i know 22 jump street came out during the summer so i'm guessing 21 did too um, 22 Jump Street might be the last big comedy that came out, and that was in 2014. 21 Jump Street came out in March, so it was yeah. not a summer film, but that was a great comedy, but... They weren't expecting it to exactly, do well. Exactly, and then it did so well, so 22, they moved 22 Jump Street to summer. But yeah, I just think that, like, these fun comedies, you know, shouldn't be relegated to the off-season, basically. Yeah. I agree with that. Or we only get broad comedies that don't look that great in the summer yes too. we currently have one mm-hmm. coming out this week that doesn't look great snatched which movie is that 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look great. Uh, but hopefully the other ones coming out this summer do well. Um, I also just wonder if broad comedies haven't really found a way to make a comeback yet. I feel like most of them just don't do very well. Mm. Yeah, they might need some new um, energy or new direction. Did Trainwreck do well at the box office? No, I don't think yeah, so. I don't think so. I think it I had it was like critically it had some but... it had some buzz around it when it first came around, but then it kind of disappeared after it came out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm with you with on that one. Ht mixed feelings on the summer movie season, but inevitably we're going to be seeing tons of movies anyway, despite any mixed feelings we may have. Mm-hmm. So guys, how excited are you for Pirates Five? I heard it's surprisingly good, actually. I don't really want it to be good. I want that series to die. <laughs> yeah, it has a uh, long, it has long gone past its zombie days. So the first it's movie. Now, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say the only thing that could. Although there's a zombie shark. <laughs> They're literal zombies. I was gonna say the only thing that could get me back into a theater to see pirates is if Jack Davenport returned as James Norrington. But I'm not even sure that my love for that character could trump the feelings I have of not wanting to support Johnny Depp. Jack Davenport was surprisingly fine the in second I think one. it was the third movie when he the second when he was movie, no when longer Commodore. It's when he became it's when he became yeah. scruffy. Oh my gosh! I was I was so confused when that when that happened. I was like, what's going Listen, on? I'm an, o- I'm an OG feeling? Norrington fan. He's been my fave since. Pirate okay. one, so you like to miss the stiff. Absolutely, Commodore Norrington is the most compelling character in that franchise. In the first movie, I want to yes. see you do an argument for this. Oh, one. I wrote like I wrote five an essay reasons why on Commodore Norrington. Did you? In high school, probably. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I can do that. I can share that. But yes, I think he's the most compelling character. But even if he had returned, because we do have some, we have. Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom returning to this new film. Um, this is the first film they'll be back mm. in since the third. Um, but I think even with them, there's just not really much going for this franchise anymore. Especially with Johnny no. Depp now. So. Yeah, he's... Hopefully he'll become box office poison and then stop getting cast in films. I agree. How about after Murder on the Orient Express? Because I want to see that movie. I want that movie to do. Luckily, actually well. he won't be in it much, so not everything is riding on him. Yeah, there we go. That's not really Yay. a spoiler because this book is, you know, over seventy years old. Yeah, and you can check the cast list on IMDb. Yes, seventy years. But spoiler, don't guys. read if you haven't read the book. Don't read what happens because the murder mystery is really fun. I haven't it's read it yet, book. so I should. Maybe I won't. Ooh. Oh, the dilemma of anyway, mystery That's a discussion for, for the fall. <laughs> yes, that is a discussion for the fall. But I think that's a good way to wrap up our summer movie discussion. Uh, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off? What so do you really like this I week? have a bittersweet really like this week. So last Sunday was the musical episode of the ABC show Once Upon a Time. And I really liked it. 
It was delightful. It was charming. It worked so much better than it should have. Which, looking back on it, it was charming. It doesn't like Prince Charming. Ah, <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys are killing me. <laughs> looking on it, it shouldn't be that surprising that it worked so well because it is at its you know heart a Disney fairy tale show, and as we all know, Disney fairy tales. Mm-hmm. usually have really wonderful music so the fact that it works so well is not all that surprising um did alan menken do the music hmm? did alan menken compose music for he Once did Planet? not yeah oh. um but it it was the songs were impressive impressive they're all original catchy. songs the cast surprisingly good singer the cast is surprisingly yeah. good singers especially josh dallas like he can belt <laughs> yeah i loved his verse so I really liked that episode. It was really wonderful. And then the next day, Jennifer Morrison announced that she would not be returning for a seventh season if the show gets picked up by ABC. And I'm not surprised by the news. She's been directing a lot more. She's currently in getting ready for a play with Matthew Perry in New York. So she's kind of been branching out in her career for the past couple years. So I'm not surprised. Um, but Emma Swan is my favorite character, and as a character, she means a lot to me. So it's also pretty heartbreaking, just personally, to lose that character. Um, and I'm not sure if the show's going to get renewed and what it'll look like if it does, because Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas also won't be returning. So it'll be interesting to see if the show gets renewed, only half like of the original cast still there. They are introducing the yeah. three main the three core cast yeah, members, too. Yeah, yeah. And we only have Colin O'Donoghue, who plays Hook, will definitely return because his contract isn't up yet. And then Lana Priya as the Evil Queen and Robert Carlyle's Rumpelstiltskin are negotiating currently, or at least at the time of this recording. So we'll see if they return. They are introducing a new character in the finale tonight, and he's expected to have a big role if the show gets picked up for a seventh season. But my big thing is I just want this show to go out on its own terms. I don't want it to get renewed, be slightly rebooted, get bad ratings, not be very good, and go out kind of with a whimper. Like Scrub Season 9. Exactly. Like Scrub so Season 9. I, I have mixed feelings on my really like. I really like this show. It's been very up and down, uh, but it's meant a lot to me, even through all its kind of terrible times. Um, but, yeah, so I really like Once, the musical episode, and... I have very mixed, messy emotions on the rest of it. <laughs> I feel you, Anya. That musical episode was surprisingly good, and it reminded me why I come back to that show, despite my many yes. qualms with it. Um, but it did feel like it did feel like it, this could I be agree. a good finale. Like the musical episode felt like a nice solid wrap-up of a lot of the storylines and a lot of the characters arcs and i was like if they ended it here i wouldn't be mad and knowing like the news of jennifer morrison's departure i was like i think i would be okay with this and especially because like once upon a time i struggled enough as it is um it's really only kept been kept afloat because of the strength of its cast and without like the majority of its cast i feel like it would suffer a lot Mm -hmm. so yes that's my mixed really like Yeah, maybe it's time for its happy ending. Uh. 
All right, uh, Willoughby, what's your really like for this week? Um, so I rewatched Before Sunrise the other day. Um, it is a beautifully perfect film, uh, written and directed by Richard Linklater, um, starring Ethan Hawke and, oh, I forget her name. Julie, Julie Delpy. Delpy. Um, and as uh, Celine and Jesse, and they're just hanging around Vienna, uh, getting to know each other, falling in love over one beautiful night. And the movie's very simplistic in, in, in this plot. It's very much a dialogue-heavy movie, as a lot of Linklater movies are. Um, but there's a certain magic to the movie that I think is just perfect. And it's a great movie to like kind of curl up with and just watch. Um, it's like it's it, it's comforting, and it's just like a great discussion of love and human connection and just all the great things that make human beings human beings. And uh, I love it, the they movie. released the movie the entire before trilogy on criterion blu-ray a couple months ago in fact i think on your birthday ht or like two days before your birthday it was a week before my birthday and i remember saying this would be a great birthday present and i got it as a birthday present um and so yeah and i know the these are very uh favorite movies of yours too and i got the Mm -hmm. the criterion blu-ray and the first movie looks fantastic in its 4k conversion so I'm very happy that I have those movies to watch over and over again. So yeah, Before Sunrise. It's my really like. I love that series a lot. Like you said, Willoughby is one of my favorites. Um, although I did a rewatch of the entire series after I got the box set. And I'm realizing that each person has a different favorite movie depending on their viewpoint in life. So I think that Before Sunrise are for the optimists. Before Sunset are for the realists, and Before Midnight are for the pessimists. And it is, it's a really nice, for both the viewpoints of people in general, but also for like the ages at which they take place for um, the characters themselves. So and what's each I of really your favorites? I love what it says about life. Mine's Before Sunrise. Sunrise. Before Sunset. So the realist one, the middle one. That was also the first one you saw, right? You didn't see... Yeah, it was the first one I saw, and I was just like, "This is so bittersweet and lovely." But then, and then I watched the um, Before Sunrise after that, and I'm like, "Ugh, it's so gooey and gushy and just so kind of just cheesy." See, that's what I love. About but I watched, it. I watched Before Sunrise again, and it really it holds up a um, lot better than I remember watching it the first time. Very nice. I will that's have really to check good. those movies out one day. Yes. I will. I can lend you my my collection if you ever come by. I was gonna again, say. Anya, I, I also have my collection. You. So, you know, you have multiple options and multiple reasons to go back to DC. Exactly. Yay! All right. Um, so my really like this week is something I didn't expect to be particularly excited for, but I saw the new trailer for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and. I am excited for the film. I wasn't a huge fan of the original Blade Runner. I watched, I think, the theatrical cut, blech, the theatrical cut with um, Harrison Ford's 
very dry, very um, unmotivated narration, which I found hilarious. You did that on purpose, by the way. <laughs> I to know. Try to get the narration I, cut. I I actually enjoyed that a lot, just because I knew that he hated doing the narration. So I was just like, he just hates doing this. And I love Harrison Ford, um, but I don't know. I I did find I found the original movie to be quite slow. It is very slow. No and, matter what version you watch, yeah, and, it's very slow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I liked what it said, but I wouldn't find myself very compelled by it. But the new film, the sequel, directed by Denis Villeneuve, uh, Villeneuve, I can't say his name, Denis Villeneuve, this is sad, I took like seven years of French, whatever, it's late at night. Um, (laughs) Denis Villeneuve way. Oh my God. (laughs) That hurt my French heart. Oh, I got it. Denis Villeneuve. Um, and uh, the cinematographer is Roger Deakins. It looks gorgeous. Um, I am absolutely on board with Denis Villeneuve after Arrival, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I really think that he can do wonders with Blade Runner. And it looks, yeah, the movie looks fantastic. And I'm excited for Rod, for um, Ryan Gosling to come on board. I'm excited for Harrison Ford to return, despite him wearing what looks like just his Sunday lazy outfit just a t-shirt he's just wearing a t-shirt it's hilarious and that's like he's in the t-shirt in the marketing like in the posters no he's like the same outfit and i'm pretty sure he was just like let me wear my own clothes i was in his contract Mm -hmm. um only thing i'm not excited for is jared leto but i can gloss over that because he's playing the villain i think robin Um, wright's in it and robin wright Mm -hmm. is in it yeah it looks looks intriguing and fantastic so i'm excited for it after seeing that trailer now do you think ryan gosling also plays an abandoned child of harrison ford's character in this movie too <laughs> so, seeking out his destiny yeah perhaps now, maybe so we've had mutt williams and we've had ben solo aka kylo ren um as children leg- legacy children legacy sequel children of Harrison Ford characters who have grown gotta, up without Harrison Ford's character as an as an actual dad. So gotta complete the trilogy. Yeah. That needs to be a category on Letterboxd. Yeah, or I, I you know I just think Harrison Ford is going back all to all to all these iconic roles, including Indiana Jones, um, just to kill off his characters. I agree. So he doesn't have to be obligated to ask, be asked about that Exactly. Anymore. So he's killed off Han Solo. He's going to kill off Deckard. And then he's going to kill off Indiana Jones. Like, that's that's all I can imagine. I think that's the case. Yeah. He's like, I'm done. I... I'm going to go fly a plane <laughs> into the sun. I'm going to go fly a plane into the sunset. This took a turn. <laughs> so, I, I think that's a good way to end it. Maybe? But we're going to end it there anyway, so if it's not, too bad. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so, if you guys have any thoughts on the summer movie season, what movies you guys are looking forward to, or the before sunset, sunrise, everything trilogy. <laughs> before trilogy. You can before, just trilogy. before trilogy. Okay. What's the third one again? Before midnight. 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 you have any thoughts on that trilogy, the Blade Runner 2049 trailer... Or, once upon a time, definitely come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you can search for us at Falcon Podcast on Twitter. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. 
Um, you can uh, listen to us on SoundCloud, or you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at hchanbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.